0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. Dr. Sammy and Friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. As you can tell, I'm using an umbrella right now because it started raining. So hopefully it's not too distracting. So to begin, I want to mention a Netflix documentary that dropped last month called The Social Dilemma. And if you haven't heard it before, it's a fascinating documentary where a former Google design ethicist, Tristan Harris, mentions how these big tech companies actually manipulate and polarize us with misinformation. And the question is, how do they do that? Well, because these tech companies are driven by profit, they'll do whatever they can and created these algorithms to keep us engaged and entertained as much as possible. And because these companies don't really have a moral code, they'll feed us information, whether true or false, to make sure we are glued to their apps. And you know, that's why there's the term, you know, falling into the rabbit hole. And I'm sure all of us have experienced that one way or another. Whether it was Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, where we went from one recommendation to another, one video to another, one subreddit to another, where we're just scrolling down endlessly for hours and hours. And even sometimes reading or watching some strange things that we never even expected. And in fact, that actually what happened with uh, Kyrie Irving and how he fell into the rabbit hole and found themselves reading some crazy conspiracy theories about why the earth is flat and actually being convinced by it, rejecting any sense of science whatsoever. And, you know, you know we could hear that and, and know about that and say, you know, that's just Kyrie Irving. You know, he's a basketball player. You know, he says some ridiculous things sometimes. But the truth is, we all fall into it. You know the truth is these algorithms do a really good job tailoring to our preferences, our interests, and our tastes and create a kind of insularity where we are just driven with one form of information. You know for example politics is actually a perfect example of that. If you're a person that leans politically left, you know Google and Facebook reads that and knows that data and will feed us more information about CNN, about This Is Now videos, and and all the liberal, th- and and the New York Times, and if you if we lean politically right and we lean conservative, they'll feed us Fox News, you know. They'll feed us the Wall Street Journal and the Blaze, and they won't even give us the other side, which create creates a, a disparity, a polarization, and a gap between the two sides. And the reason why I say that is because in our in our current uh, cli- climate right now in our culture, America is divided more than ever before sure the elections are presumably over and in New York City right now there is a sense of relief and joy but the truth is that's because we're in New York City you know we are in a liberal bubble the, the reality is is that 40 about 48 percent of the population voted for Trump and that's not because all of them are racist some are and that's not because all of them are r- racist People voted for Trump for their own particular reasons, but but there's so much generalizations, assumptions, going on both sides of the aisle that we no longer hear each other or talk to each other. You know, we are so quick to speak, but so slow to listen. Right? And you know, I'm not blaming social media at all, because the first truth is, church uses social media too. You know, we're using social media now to perpetuate the good news of the gospel. But as Jim Collins says, and I think he does, creates a fra- uh, uh, such a truth about this, is that technology cannot create growth. Meaning technology cannot create something that doesn't exist, but it can accelerate it. And what we're actually seeing now is that technology accelerating something that's very dark in the human heart. In the Bible, it's called sin. But what we're, And so what we're seeing is the acceleration of the sinful heart that is full of self-interest, of hatred, and tribalism that contributes to this problem that separates us more and more. And I believe that if we're not aware of it or we're ignorant of it, we will be implicitly contributing to this problem of polarization and, uh, and separation that's creating hate. You know, Jonathan Hyatt, uh, a social psychologist, researched on polarization and said that this was happening way before the 2016 election and with the Trump administration. In fact, he was saying that it is not social media, it's not just politics, but it's, it was actually happening in the academies. And he was saying that even it started even in the, uni, uh, in the universities like NYU. Where it's supposed to be a place of shared ideas, of hearing one another, but even in the academies, he sees and he's witnessed and researched that there's been a deep separation of ideas where we no longer tolerate each other. And it's ironic because in his talk that I was in, as an NYU professor, he was even saying that NYU does a terrible job at that too it was a terrible climate we're supposed to be liberal and we're supposed to share ideas and we're supposed to be the tolerable group but we are not even he was he was saying that he's we're not even tolerant of the intolerable and so how how hypocritical is that and so that's what i really want to address and talk about today because jesus says this in john 17 he says, I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you love me. Meaning Jesus prayed for unity because he knew that that would be the greatest witness for people to know that he exists and for the gospel to be perpetuated to be willing to love despite our differences and to be willing to be kind and extend that hand even in the midst of diverse ideas or even differing cultures or even political affiliations. And the truth is, that is what the church is called to represent. Jesus prayed that the church would be that. And so going back to even what Doc talked about in the day and the sun, I want to continue that conversation because next to the greatest commandment where Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind and all all your strength. The second greatest commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning that is our standard. And we will be judged and we would be uh, measured by not how we love the people that are within our community, but the people that are so most unlike us you know the people and how we treat other races other nationalities other class groups and even political affiliations and are we going to and if we're going to treat them the same as our own community so that's what i want to dive into and this is what i want to answer how do we become a community that actually heals and so we're going to go into acts 10 and we're gonna go back into the book of Acts and we're gonna look into the life of Peter and we're gonna find out how. So, as, you, as we go into Acts 10, I'll come back and then we'll we'll answer that question.
2: Hi, today's scripture is from the book of Acts chapter 10, verses nine to 20 and 24 to 35. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, "'Get up, Peter, kill and eat.' "'Surely not, Lord,' Peter replied. "'I have never eaten anything impure or unclean.' The voice spoke to him a second time, "'Do not call anything impure that God has made clean.' This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he called them together and his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. This is the word of the Lord. Bye.
1: So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we become a community that truly heals? And this is the first lesson we learn from this passage. And this is it. It's rooting out prejudice requires us to be more honest than we care to admit. And you see this play out in verse 9 when God gives Peter a vision. And this is what it says. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And so in face value, it might appear that God was inviting Peter to an all-you-can-eat buffet. But we must remember that Peter was Jewish. And so according to Jewish customs and laws, there were certain foods that they were allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. And for example, they were not allowed to eat pigs. They were considered unclean. And specifically in this passage, they mentioned reptiles, which were also considered unclean. So then why did God say that? Well, we know later in the story that the vision wasn't necessarily about food, but about people. Specifically, who did, who actually deserves to hear the good news of the gospel? And what God was trying to tell Peter was that the good news of the Gospel isn't reserved for just Jews, but for everyone around the world. And particularly about this man, this Gentile Centurion named Cornelius. So in other words, what God was trying to tell Peter was that God was not just the God of Israel, but the God of all creation. But it's really interesting how Peter responds to this. And this is what he says in verse 14. He says, surely not, Lord, Peter replies. I have never eaten anything impure and unclean. Do you see the irony and the hypocrisy of the statement? Peter, who says that he's following God, rejects and resists the very voice that's telling him to actually obey. And so what we see here is Peter's self-righteousness and his pride blinding him from following God. It was his self-righteousness of being a devout Jew. It's his pride of being an Israelite that wanted him to distinguish himself from other people. And so what this shows is that just because we follow God and say that we believe in God, that doesn't mean that we are exempt from our bigotry and our own biases and prejudice. In fact, it actually reveals how deeply embedded it is in every human heart where our pride gets in the way of seeing people the way God sees them. So for Peter, it took a supernatural revelation and God speaking to him three times saying, do not call anything impure that God has made clean for him to get it. Think about it. Three times God had to speak to him about it and he still had to contemplate about it for him to get it. Which shows how deeply the sin of prejudice really goes into the human heart. We are so prone to judge, make assumptions, and categorize people and fall into our own tribal thinking. And and we know this to be true because of the incident that happened with Amy Cooper, a white woman in Central Park that called the cops on a black man, Christian Cooper, just for watching birds, right? And even her, she was saying that she's not racist until she was. And, you know, we might even categorize her and saying that that's a Karen, but we're doing the same thing. The reality is, is that Amy Cooper is a mirror of us. There is such deep prejudice, racism, and bias in us more than we realize. And even MLK in his famous letter in the Birmingham jail addressed that, that that is probably the greatest hindrance of the reconciliation and the healing of our country. You know, personally, I've been seeing that more and more in my life and how deep that really goes. And I remember a big highlight for me was last year when I was in NYU helping an event called All Campus Worship Night. And it's ironic that it's called All Campus Worship Night because I remember that day when we were setting up and preparing for it, a bunch of white guys came up to me, so fat fratty, you know. So bro-y coming up to me, you know, trying to fist pump me saying, yo, what up, bro? You know, where is this event? And I knew where they were. And they weren't even NYU students. I was like, in my mind, these guys are King's College students. They're Trump supporters. They They are the worst kind in my mind. And when the worship started, I really had to repent because out of all kinds of people that were in there. They were the ones that were worshiping the hardest. They were the ones that were raising their hands the highest. And talking to them later, I found out that they were there to bring a, like a few of their friends, their roommates who weren't a Christian to hopefully have them really get to know who Jesus is. And so I share that because I think this passage, no, I know this passage is a mirror for all of us, especially a time in the elections where polarity and identity politics are such an all time high. And we must examine and allow the Holy Spirit to address that within ourselves because the call of the Christian more than anything else is to see the dignity of all people, especially the people that we might not especially like. You know, Doc mentioned it last week, you know the parable of the good samaritan is see is very much what we see in the narrative of peter and cornelius right here we must treat people with other races nationalities and other people groups and even political affiliations with the same amount of respect care and love that we treat our own because the truth is god was speaking to Peter and he's speaking to us and reminding us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the cross is the greatest equalizer in all of us. So as a church, we must operate in the lens of grace. And we must operate in seeing other people regardless of who they are. With the same amount of respect and love as God has been treating us. And so we must remember, especially at at this time, that we are not dem- democrats we're not republicans first or even americans first we're first christ followers and as christ followers we're meant to see everybody as brothers and sisters whether lost or found so let's examine the way we categorize people and ask the and i pray that the holy spirit will show you and convict you how that actually plays out in dividing and and in creating disparity and pushing people out in our lives. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we become a community that truly heals? And this is the second lesson we learned is that we need to shape our eyes to see through the lens of the kingdom than the kingdom of this world. And we see this play out through this reconciliation between Peter and Cornelius through the power of prayer. In fact, it is prayer that initiates everything that's going on in this passage. In the beginning of Acts 10, it is when Cornelius prays that God intervenes. It is when Peter is praying in the roof that God intervenes. And shows him a vision. And so we got to ask, what is it about prayer that actually transforms and shapes and changes our lives? And the answer is really simple. It's because prayer gives us us space to actually listen to what God is saying. You know, a lot of people think that prayer is just about us talking to God. You know, a lot of people think that prayer is just requesting things and asking for petitions. To God. And you know, part of that is true. But the heart of prayer is not about the speaking, it's about the listening. It's actually making space to actually hear what God might be saying to us and really being shaped and influenced by what He's saying. And you know, that's why for Peter, prayer was so essential and the most, the catalyst for this passage. You know, in the beginning of just the book of Acts, Christ told Peter that he was supposed to share the gospel to all nations and not of Israel. And and that's why God had to speak to him in this way. He was so influenced by his own nationalism and his own righteousness that the only way for Peter to really listen and to change and to really shift his trajectory was when he was praying and making space for him so a great example of listening and the power of listening comes from a man named Daryl Davis and if you don't know who he is he is a blues musician whose mission and heart is to actually befriend KKK members and you know people have asked him as a famous famous musician why do you go out of your way to build a relationship with a people group that hates you based on the color of your skin and he answered That he had an incident with racism for the first time at 10 years old. And it formulated a question in his heart, a frustration. How can you hate me if you don't know me? How can you hate me based on the color of my skin? And so being inspired by Christ because he would dine with tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees that were so unlike him. He saw the power of conversation, you know, around when you're you're, you're surrounded with people. And so that's what he did. He went out of his way to meet up with KKK members. He went to their rallies. He he even went to their cross burnings. But because of that, he built a relationship where even to a point where many of them actually invited them to their wedding. But he shared that it it takes many years, but throughout those many years of friendships and relationships, he saw that at a certain point, Their ideology started breaking down, because when your ideology is, and when your thought is that you're a superior race from the color, based on the color of the skin, and you start befriending a black man and you realize that he is very much like you, in many ways than not, you start reevaluating a lot of things, and as a result, he said many of them, over two hundred of them, surrendered their robes and left the KKK. And, you know, I heard that story last year at a talk at NYU, and I was so inspired by it. The motto of, how can you hate me if you don't know me? And, you know, I tried practicing that. You know, I tried practicing listening, and I realized I suck at it. You know, many of you guys know that I spend time with my parents and my brother almost every week. I see them almost every week. And if some of you guys don't know, my one of my brothers, he is a strong evangelical Trump supporter. And because of that, I had so much assumptions and presuppositions about who he is that he was my own brother. And I realized that when we were talking, you know, about politics in the dinner table, how much I yelled more than I was actually listening. How much I was defending my position rather than actually trying to understand where he was coming from. It was even to a point where I wore a Black Lives Matter shirt. Not because I wanted to build a conversation uh, to bring some sense of reconciliation. No, I just wanted to prove a point and a stance. I care more about being right than trying to really reconcile it and uh, build a bridge. And I I share that because I think this is something that we all need to confront. No, we have to ask ourselves and our hearts are, what are we really being influenced by? You know, what is really shaping us and our values and what kind of person that we're behind? Do we care more about really about being right? Do we care about more of defending our political affiliations? Or do we really care about what Christ cares about? And figuring out ways to be a reconciliation and bridge with one another. Because the truth is, even in the church right now, we are demonizing each other. I think Tim Keller uh, said it best. You know, Christianity does not fit a two-party system. It doesn't. When you look at the Bible and for what it is, it it holds up the sanctity of all people, immigrants, orphans, widows, but it also calls forth to protect and stand for the unborn as well. Now, how policy works, that's a different matter. But if you look at scripture, both are incredibly valued. So it's not either or. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we being shaped by? Are we being shaped more about our politics and our political platforms? Or are we being shaped by scripture? Because that is really what the core of what this passage is really talking about. Peter was shaped more about his nationalism. That got in the way of what God was really trying to do and accomplish. And we have to ask the same. Are we being shaped by Christ, his truth, and everything that everybody says. And, you know, that's what's so powerful about what this theme that we've been doing ever since in the summer, going through the book of Acts. You know, we, we don't pick and choose what passages that we want to talk about. We're going through the chapters piece by piece, and we're allowing that to really speak to us and those issues to speak into our lives. And I think that's what we... It comes back to this. Even in this highly political uh, uh, situation that we find ourselves in, I think it's coming back to uh, being, being more by influenced by Christ. Because that's what Romans 12 says. Do not be conformed by the patterns of the, this world, but be transformed or the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So this is an invitation for all of us to reexamine. Ourselves and to be sanctified, to be transformed, to represent Christ so we can actually be a bridge and a healing to this world that desperately need it. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not saying not to do our civil duty, not to be informed by politics, but it's more of an assertion to go for the higher calling because as followers of Christ, our duty and our allegiance is not to America first or to a political affiliation affiliations first. It's really to Christ first. And we must allow that to be the center and the core of why we do what we do and how we operate. You know, it's interesting because that's even the transformation, what happened when John Newton. And, if, you know, I talk about him a lot, but how he became a slave trader to an abolitionist was through scripture. It was through scripture and the word of God that influenced him to realize how wrong he really was. And so if that brings me hope, guys. So if that could actually happen to John Newton, who is so far away, and to Peter, who is so racist and nationalistic, I believe that he could do it through us and he could do it through the church because that's what I believe. And actually, that's what Jesus says that he will build his kingdom on. He would be, build His kingdom on the church to represent it and to be a light to the world, especially for those who need it the most. And so I pray that that would be an invitation to all of us to go into that and become that, to be the change that we're looking for in Christ. Will you pray with me?
3: Lord, the love you give give so generously You were my sacrifice You gave your life for me Now I want to give Just as I receive To be a light that shines your Love for those in need a, let my life been like a love song, Let my life be like a love song, Let my life be like a love song to your heart. Let my life be like a love song, let my life be like a love song, Let my life be like a love song to your heart. justice roll like an endless stream flowing through my life to the poor and weak let the things I do and the words I speak reveal the light that shines your love for those in need life feel like a love song let my life feel like a love song let my life feel like a love song to your heart let my life feel like a love song let my life feel like a love song let my life feel like a love song to your heart Justice roll like an endless stream, flowing through my life to the poor and weak. Let the things I do and the words I speak reveal the awesome love you have for those in need. Let my life been like a love song. Let my life been like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song. Let my life be like a love song to your heart.
1: Heads. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at One a Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, There are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment methods shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at church180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering180church.tv, at or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv, where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397PRAYER, and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody, and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have an answer, you can also share them on the text hotline, and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180Church and also at 180BRG where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another.
1: In addition to this, uh, we we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation that's
0: going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at oneeachurch.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week.
2: Bye.